And so like I've said, we are starting a new Bible series on the book of Leviticus. Now in the Old Testament, worship was not centered around music like it is today. It was centered around holiness. And this means following God's prescribed way of dealing with our mess, with our sin. And through the law, though the law is no longer in effect because Jesus, he fulfilled the law perfectly, there are still some general principles of worship that we often neglect today. So over the next eight weeks together, we are going to discover how to approach and how to please God with our entire lives. Not just part of our lives, but our entire lives. And so this morning, I want to share a message with you about having assurance. We need to have assurance today. And so I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to read Leviticus chapter 4, verses 13 to 31. And uh, Leviticus, I pray that this book will get into your heart, into your mind. It's such an important book of the Bible. So let's read together in one voice. The the scripture will be on the screen. And uh, we'll read from verse 13 to 31. If the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though the community is unaware of the matter, when they realize their guilt and the sin they committed becomes known, the assembly must bring a young bull as a sin offering and present it before the tent of meeting. The elders of the community are to lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord, and the bull shall be slaughtered before the Lord. Then the anointed priest is to take some of the bull's blood into the tent of meeting. He shall dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle it before the Lord seven times in front of the curtain. He is to put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting." The rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He shall remove all the fat from it and burn it on the altar and do with this bull just as he did with the bull for the sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the community and they will be forgiven. Then he shall take the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. This is the sin offering for the community. When a leader sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the commands of the Lord his God, when he realizes his guilt and the sin he has committed becomes known, he must bring as his offering a male goat without defect. He is to lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and put out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. He shall burn all the fat on the altar as he burned the fat of the fellowship offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the leader's sin and he will be forgiven. If any member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, when they realize their guilt and the sin they have committed becomes known, they must bring as their offering for the sin they committed a female goat without defect. They are to lay their hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. 
Then the priest is to take some of the blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. They shall remove all the fat, just as the fat is removed from the fellowship offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them, and they will be forgiven. Really good reading. Good job. Long passage of scripture. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Leviticus, specifically chapter 4. And we pray, God, that you teach us about the atonement. Teach us how to value and how to properly appreciate what Christ has done for us. For all of this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. Father, I pray that today that you would heal us of our sin and forgive us, God. That you would cleanse us within, that there would be no wicked way within us, God. That we'd be quick to confess our sins and to not repeat them over and over again. Father, I pray at the end of the day that we would truly value the magnitude of Jesus' love, of the Father's love for us, that he would send his son Jesus into the world for the sins of many. So Father, we just say thank you today. Thank you for this scripture and thank you for its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. We give you praise and glory for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. And so Father, would you empower me to preach the word? Lord, Leviticus is a very hard book. I look to you for help and for empowerment, strength from on high. And I pray that you give the church understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the teacher today that we would understand this truth and apply it to our lives. We thank you now and ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may be seated. What is that one vegetable that you have always avoided, dare I even say, hate? Think about that for a moment. Picture it in your mind. You know that it's good for you, but its color, its texture, its taste is so repulsive to you. Maybe this vegetable is a beet. Maybe it is a turnip. Maybe it's a Brussels sprout or the all-famous broccoli. For me, I dislike tomatoes. Now, there's been this argument, is a tomato a fruit or is it a vegetable? Somebody told me that on their way out after first service. I'm going to still call it a vegetable. But I dislike tomatoes. Tomatoes. I'm not going to say I hate tomatoes, but I dislike tomatoes, even though I like tomato products. Isn't that interesting? I like salsa. I like ketchup. I like all those other things, but I dislike tomatoes as vegetables. And these vegetables can be full of vitamins and nutrients, and yet once we have made up our minds on the matter, we will refuse to let that thing enter our mouths and our stomachs. And such is the case with the book of Leviticus. It's, it's the book of the Bible that is the most ignored. However, it is not any less inspired than the other 65 books of the Bible. This is the truth. So why is it that the narratives and poetry and historical stories, they seem more appealing to us than the rules and the regulations when it's, it's all God's word? It's all God's word. See, Leviticus serves a major purpose in Scripture. It is a book that gives us a worship structure for how sinful people approach God in the Old Testament. We need to understand this. You can never fully appreciate what Jesus has done for you and for us without reading the book of Leviticus. 
Let me just say that right now. Let me preface this whole thing with this. If you have not read Leviticus, you're missing out. Because you cannot fully appreciate the magnitude of what Jesus has done for you. For Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, even with all its details. In order to enjoy the new, friends, you need to become familiar with the old. Otherwise, how can you properly value and appreciate the new without some point of comparison? See, many people love the book of Hebrews. I love that book. Yet they do not realize that it reinterprets the law found in Leviticus through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the new lens because he fulfills all of that law. It describes the end of a temporary system, a sacrificial system, and explains the beginning of a permanent system in Jesus. And the offerings repeated in Leviticus are fulfilled once and for all in Jesus. The shedding of blood, just think about this for a moment. The shedding of blood of multi-trillions of animals came to an end with the shedding of blood of one man, Jesus. This morning, I want to explore the repeated sacrifices and offerings for sin in Leviticus 4 that gave the Israelites the assurance. That's what I want you to have today, assurance in your heart that when you bring your sin to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness, that he indeed truly forgives you. I want you to have the assurance that you are now in right standing with God when you confess your sins. First point this morning is an atonement for sin. An atonement for sin, we find this in verse 4, verse 15, verse 24, and verse 29. The scripture says, He is to present the bull at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on its head and slaughter it there before the Lord. Verse 15, the elders of the community are to lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord, and the bull shall be slaughtered before the Lord. Verse 24, he is to lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Verse 29, they are to lay their hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. I know it's gory and graphic. We're not going to have any of that today, don't worry, but we need to understand what this is all about. See, the idea of atonement is that it is the only way for a person or for a group of people to be made one with God again. It's the only way. There is no other way. There is no other solution. And it suggests some type of sinful departure from right relationship with God and some type of sacrificial return back to right relationship with God. And one way to see sin is to see it as intentional sin and unintentional sins. And we're dealing here with a lot of unintentional sins. But in Leviticus 4, we see how different people in Israel dealt with their unintentional sins. In verse 3, we read... If the anointed priests, and that reminds us that I sin as a pastor, that our pastoral staff, they sin because we're not above sin. In verse 13, we read, if the whole Israelite community sins, this reminds us that we can collectively sin and we can even nationally sin. In verse 22, we read, when a leader sins, and this reminds us that people in places of authority, they sin. Verse 27, we read, if any member of the community. Is there anyone exempt from committing unintentional sins? No. 
Like the Israelites, we are all sinners and need someone to make atonement for our sin. Isn't that true? Well, the atonement is the transfer of guilt from one party to another party. And in Leviticus, this was depicted as a life for life and a blood for blood transaction. How did this happen? How did this happen in scripture? Well, this morning, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. I want to introduce you to somebody who's coming. Just give it a second. Be patient with me. I want to introduce all of you to Ginger the Lamb. Ginger, where are you? Here you come. Thanks, Ginger. (laughs) Friends, this is Ginger the Lamb. Isn't Ginger cute? Yes, that's so well behaved. Okay, Ginger, I'm going to pass this microphone to you if possible. If you could answer just a few questions for us. Can you tell us a little bit about Ginger? A little Ginger here. Came to Triple C Farm uh, about six months ago. Uh, she's about nine months to about 12 months. And uh, her story is really, really, really inspiring. She got caught in a transporter with the cows and up at the Rolex auction hmm. and got picked up by uh, what we call a butcher. She was with the dead stock, seeking refuge. Lived for a month at his house in a onesie diaper. And oh. when that wasn't working, uh, they gave us the phone at Triple C Farm, and then uh, there's Ginger. Wow. Now, how old is Ginger? It's about nine months to 12 months. Okay, so still a lamb. It's still a lamb, but the special thing about her is yeah. she's a dwarf. Because she's a dwarf. she was basically an infant when... She got picked up at the, well, when she got rescued at the, uh, uh, at the auction and uh, lack of nutrition and milk, she should be about this, this tall. Okay. She's also an Australian-Canadian sheep, but uh, wow. she's ginger now. Wow, she so ginger has a passport. She can go back and forth. Oh, eh? yeah, she she's... Travel. Thank you so much. She, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. Absolutely. So just stay right there for a moment, Ginger. Thank you so much for coming to visit us. So according to the Old Testament church, the guilty party had to lay their hand on the head of the substitute to signify the transfer of sin from a human to an animal. And then the animal became the victim of God's wrath by fire. Isn't that crazy? It's so like so different from our world today. But this is important to understand. This is because the Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. All of us, when we sin, guess what we deserve? Death. But God also teaches us in Leviticus 17.11, for the life of a creature is in its blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. And it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And so what the man or the woman had deserved, the animal received. Now this is exactly what happened to Jesus, our atonement for sin. You see, it is as if we place, Ginger, I'm going to place my hand on your head for a moment. You're so kind, I know. But Ginger, it's as if I'm placing my hand on Ginger's head. I don't want, we shouldn't use names here. Let's just on the sheep's head because we, we grow attached to what we name, right? 
So nothing bad's gonna happen, Ginger. This is a safe place, okay? You are safe, absolutely safe. But it is as if you and I, all of us, everyone in history has placed their hand upon a sheep's head and we are transferring that sin and that guilt and that shame upon the sheep who is the substitute for our sin. Sorry, Ginger, I know, it's tough words. See, in the words of John the Baptist, friends, he exclaimed in John 1, 29, look the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not look the lamb, the lamb of God, the son of God, the lamb who would be the atonement for our sin. Jesus did not only atone for the people of all his generation, but for all people, people of the past, the present, and the future, for all of that sin. And it's as if the whole world has, is, and will place their hands upon Jesus, the lamb who was slain. It is a personalized experience, but is also universalized in its scope. What I mean is it's done for me personally, but it's also done for everybody universally. Jesus took our sin to the cross. In 1 John 2, verse 2, the Apostle John communicated the range of Jesus' atoning work. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Now think about that for a second. Think about the weightiness of our sin upon him at the moment of his crucifixion. Just the weightiness of my sin, (laughs) Think about the weightiness of all of our sin and all of humanity's sin, anybody that ever lived. Think about all that weightiness upon Jesus on the cross. Think about the weightiness of God's wrath upon his own beloved son. All because of his love for us. Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he described the atonement so clearly for us. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And friends, this is what God has done for me. This is what God has done for you. This is what God has done even for my friend here. This is what he's done for us. That Jesus has become our atonement the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Ginger, it was so, do you want to say anything, Ginger? I thought, you know, you haven't been too vocal today, but, you know, everybody online might want to say something. Do you want to say anything here? You, you want to try the microphone? Yeah, you're chewing. No, did you want to make any noise? Bah. Did she copy him? She does, but, uh, you know, it's, it is new, and uh, it's okay, the Ginger. lights are different. It's her first time. Absolutely. Ginger, thank you for coming. Can we appreciate Ginger? And Triple C Farm in Ancaster, Ontario. Thank you so much. So wonderful. Friends, after service, uh, but actually after the first service, Ginger was out there talking with people. Well, not talking <laughs> People were talking to Ginger and taking photos with Ginger and some goats. Uh, They're going to have to leave earlier after service, so uh, you won't be able to see them. But I hope you saw them in on your way in today. Let's return back to Leviticus. How does one know that the atonement was effective? 
I love what Pastor Skip Heitzig addresses, when he, I love how he addresses this. He says, the worship God accepts is the worship God prescribes. You need to understand that this whole system was God's idea. It wasn't his long-term idea, but it was a temporary idea. The Israelites approached God not on their own terms, but on God's terms. And he gave instructions for a person or a group of people how they could deal with their sin. And the question of the atonement was whether you followed God's instructions. It was a question of obedience. Did you bring a blemished offering or did you bring an unblemished offering for sacrifice? Did you bring the right kind, a ram or a ewe or a bull or a goat? The right kind, the right gender, male or female, or right aged offering for sacrifice. In Leviticus, we learn that details matter to God, and guess what? They still matter to God. Thankfully, and I say this with a big thankful, we no longer follow the protocol of the book of Leviticus. Think about it for a moment. We would be having to have some kind of temple here where there's an altar where you can't go and there's blood everywhere. That is not what we have to do with it, deal with anymore. We no longer follow that protocol of Leviticus as the book of Hebrews instead explains, Jesus is the atonement for our sin. We come to God only through Jesus. We don't need a sheep. We don't need a ram. We don't need a bull. We don't need blood because it's already been shed for us on Calvary. Secondly, this morning, an aroma from offerings. There is an aroma that the offerings give Verse 31, the scripture says, they shall remove all the fat just as the fat is removed from the fellowship offering and the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. You see, the smell of an offering differed based on what was offered to God in the offering. It was the aroma that changed God's disposition from one of discipline and destruction to one of delight in his people. And the aroma is one of the common themes in the first four chapters of the book of Leviticus. In regards to burnt offerings, it appears three times in Leviticus 1, 9, 1, 13, and 1, 17. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In regards to grain offerings, it appears in Leviticus 2.9. He shall take out the memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it on the altar as a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In regards to fellowship offerings, it appears twice. Leviticus 3, verse 5 and 3.16. Then Aaron's sons are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offerings that is lying on the burning wood. It is a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. And then verse 16 says, the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering, a pleasing aroma. And in regards to sin offerings, it appears once in Leviticus 4.31, the text we've already read together. But interestingly enough, it doesn't appear in regards to the guilt offering. The guilt offering doesn't produce an aroma for a purpose in Leviticus 5. So in order to better understand what is happening in Scripture, we may be tempted to circle back to the offerings of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Now Abel's offering was accepted by God because of the principle of first and the presence of faith. That he gave of his first fruits to God and he came and he offered this with faith. 
In this example, we learn that the Lord looked upon Abel's offering. It wasn't the smell of Abel's offering. It was the fact of what Abel brought to the Lord. He looked upon it. He didn't smell it. But it was what he offered, not necessarily the aroma, but the very things that he offered in the offering that made it favorable. But I want to take you now to another scripture, Genesis chapter 8, 21, where the word aroma is actually first used in the Bible in regards to Noah's offering. And the scripture says, the Lord smelled, ah, here's the nose, the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And God has kept his promise. It is the aroma of Noah's offering and his sacrifice that turned God away from destruction brought by the flood. See, if you were to make an offering to the Lord this morning, how pleasing or how repugnant would that aroma to the Lord be? See, offerings were not automatically or always received. In fact, God created a condition in Leviticus 26, 27, and 31 where he says, if in spite of this you still do not listen to me but continue to be hostile to me, I will take no delight in the pleasing aroma of your offering. See, you can make the right offering to God but you can have the entirely wrong attitude before God and towards God. In Amos 5, 21 to 22, we read of God's rejection of their offerings. He says, I hate... Wow, strong words. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Because we can all go through the motions, yet we can still live lives of injustice and unrighteousness. In Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, the Apostle Paul, he described the pleasing nature of Jesus' self-sacrifice. Following God's example, the, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you understand that today? That Jesus is a sacrifice to God. Not only is Jesus a pleasing aroma to the Father, but we now become the aroma of Jesus Christ to those who are saved and also to those who are perishing. Because of Christ's sacrifice for us, we in turn, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice for him. And as 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among who? Among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. My prayer is this, friends, that may our aroma lead people in this world to Jesus Christ. Thirdly, today, an assurance of forgiveness. We can have assurance. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. We have an assurance of forgiveness. Verse 20, verse 26, verse 31, and verse 35. 
Scripture says, in this way, the priest will make atonement for the community and they will be forgiven. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the leader's sin and he will be forgiven. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them and they will be forgiven. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them for the sin they have committed and they will be forgiven. The atonement and the aroma, they contribute And they combine together to give God's people a great sense of assurance of God's forgiveness. And I think that's something that we as human beings, we struggle with. The assurance to know that we've actually been forgiven. We might confess our sins. They might be really, really bad sins. But then we wondered, will God really forgive me? Will he forgive all of it? What if I do it again? Will he forgive me again? The guarantee is found in the words, will be. Will be was the immediate result of the atonement, but it was also the end result of final judgment. God will not hold our sins, the sins against a person or a group of people any longer when they confess their sins to him. You need to know that today and have assurance about that, that if, if you faithfully confess your sins to God, if you confess your sins to your brother or your sister, then you will be forgiven. What I mean is that while the assurance was good and true, it did not solve the human condition and the problem of original sin. See, Leviticus provided God's people with a sin management strategy and system, not a solution to their sin. And some would say then that this whole thing was pointless, but it was not pointless, it was pointing. It was pointing to somebody, not something, not a system, but to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And the assurance was about our access to God. That's what's on the line here. When Jesus himself became the atoning sacrifice and the pleasing aroma, we gained unrestricted access to God. That's your benefit and that's my benefit. In Hebrews 10, 19 and 22, the author celebrates, therefore, brothers and sisters, that's us, since we have confidence, do you have confidence today? To enter the most holy place by the what? The blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance, there's the word, full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You see, access is authorized by his body and his blood. Anything else, access denied. And we need to see Jesus from different angles. This is very important for us this morning. He is both the great priest and he is also the sacrifice. He's the one who's actually at the altar making the offering. But he is also from another vantage point, he is the offering. And the closer we draw to God, the more we realize that we have assurance that our hearts are purified, that our conscience is cleansed, and our bodies are washed. And so we do not need to crucify Jesus over and over so that he can atone for us again and again. You don't have to time travel back to the time when Jesus was living on earth. 
You don't have to travel through the annals of history. Friends, this has already been done for you. His one sacrifice was sufficient for all. And I wonder, my friends, do you have this assurance in your hearts today? For if you do not know Jesus today, I want you to know that he's already done the atoning for you on the cross. And all you need to do today is to recognize that you are a sinner and accept Jesus as the solution to your own personal sin problem. And this, my friends, is the gospel. And I can't think of a better way of starting this series than with someone dedicating or rededicating their life to Jesus. Jesus. 